0: Vampire oh. scorned, trolling for your next ex. Get away from me now! Spike wants me. How obscene is that? A wounded heart won't let go. You want me to leave when you can put your hands on my hot, tight little body and make me? And only Buffy.
1: Welcome to the Seed of Wonder, also known as if the Apocalypse Comes to Beat Me. This is a weekly podcast about Buffy the Vampire Slayer where we take a look at each episode according to its original date 20 years ago. And this week's episode is season five, episode 15, I Was Made to Love You. We will be talking about plot. We'll be talking about characters, and we will be talking about what Jane Espen thinks. Jane Espen. Jane Espen thinks about her plot and characters. So spoilers abound for this episode, every episode before and after, the, the comics, and even other shows and movies. Oh yeah. Our website, Beat Me Pod that wordpress.com it's gonna to try to work it subtly into the conversation but it didn't pan out and i figured i should try to give it to you before welcome back another episode of buffy the vampire slayer i'm very excited to talk about it who am i my name is kelly and i'm here with my wonderful co-host station. say hello hello and my other co-host daniel say hello
2: i'm looking for beat me pod do you know where Be- beat me pod is and if you do could you tell me <laughs>
1: We are here to talk about Season 5, Episode 15, I Was Made to Love You, which originally aired on February 20th of the year 2001. Written by Jane Espenson oh, queen. of Jane Espenson fame. Maybe the best Buffy writer. I don't know. I don't know. We'll discuss. This is the 12th of 23 episodes that she, Will write. has written. Last one was Checkpoint. The next one will be Intervention. Directed by James A. Cottner, 13 of 20 for him. Last one was The Replacement. Also written by oh, Shit. Also written by Jane Espenson. Next one he will direct will be a spiral. Um What happened in this episode? <laughs>
0: you don't
3: seem
1: to know. <laughs> the short story is a robot came to town almost, but didn't kill anyone. And then she powered down and disappeared into the ether, never to be seen again. Ethernet. Oh. Yes, into the ethernet. Is that where uh, they go? <laughs> <laughs> While that happened, Buffy was sad about not having a boyfriend, debated, dating Ben, decided against it. Uh, I think that's really... Oh, we meet Warren for the first time, so that's uh, going to be a thing. Not super important to get now. Again, he didn't really do anything in this episode. And then... Uh, oh, yeah. Buffy's mom is dead. Cool. So, things are interesting. Or first things, as mentioned, first appearance of Warren. Yuck. Um, Josh josh god damn every time joss whedon nah. he apparently this is all like later confirmed but lore at the time had britney spears in mind for the idea of the robot like so he came up with the idea of the robot all he really said was i want a gorgeous woman to be a robot surprise he was thinking uh, he had britney spears in mind when writing the character because of her quote robotic performances so, cool. Um, David Fury later said that, but Britney Spears turned it down. They did actually go to Britney to ask her to be on the show. I don't know necessarily for this role, but she was approached to be on the show. And per David Fury, her response was, I don't want to be a sex slave robot. If i want to going to be on the show, I want to be like a friend of the Scoobies. I don't want to be some sex slave robot. I'm like, yeah, good for you, Britney. Good Where was this detail in you. Framing
2: Britney? Because this is part of Framing Britney right here. This is terrible. Yeah.
1: Come on. Yeah, guys. what the hell? Uh, I want her as part also... of the
2: Scoobies. Can you imagine Britney Spears showing up to be that'd be pretty friends?
3: cool? That'd be yeah, fucking so, amazing. amazing. So... Rogue Demon Hunter.
1: Supposedly, yeah. she was pitched again to be on the show. of like, they tried again later in season seven, and Sarah Michelle Gellar of framing of framing Britney bullshit, was like, I don't want her bad rep oh, around right. my show. Mm. But I don't know how true that is. of I could kind of see her saying that, so I don't know. Wasn't
2: she too famous? I mean, no shots on Buffy, but like Britney Spears was the biggest thing in the entire world in 2001, right? 2001. 98 was, right? Like, I mean, she was the biggest star in the world. It would be weird for her to show up on. Even if she liked the show, I'm sure her people would be like, no, we're not going on the WB.
1: Well, I think she she might not have, I don't know if she was a fan of the show per se, but she knew enough about it to be like, no, I want to be one of her friends. I don't want to be a fucking robot. Get out of here. Amazing. That's so cool. Yeah. David Fury, again, he has a lot to say about stuff. Uh, says he once asked Joss Whedon, What's the deal with Sunnydale residents being super geniuses? Because, like, Warren mm. can just make this fucking robot. Ted obviously m- made himself, which is nuts. And we've had, you know, some assembly required where they made a the robot, brought some abomination back to life. We've had multiple people that are, like, straight up evil geniuses. Joss Whedon, in response, quote, you're way overthinking this the Hellmouth mouth should be able to provide us with anything we want to do the energy that comes out of it makes mad scientists out of humans who then go ahead and create something evil
2: i think you might want to stop telling me what to do i don't take orders from women i'm not wired that way
1: we have a forever MacGuffin, so just shut up about it dave
2: <laughs> i mean it's fair at least you're being honest i respect
1: that. yeah yeah it's true i mean that quote and Jane later, well actually Xander, I guess because it's Jane's words through Xander, maybe really tailspin about this episode, but we'll get into that in a second. First, I need to ask the pressing question every episode. Stasia, what do you think about this episode?
3: I like this episode. Yeah, great. Yeah. I like April. She's a person.
1: I know. <laughs> we learned that through the episode. <laughs> so you like April? did you like Sean Defar's portrayal or did you like the the character or both? Yes. great. Excellent answer. I'm looking for Warren. Do you know where Warren is? And if you do, could you tell me? I concur. And funnily enough, with that little Britney Spears tie-in, she was in Britney Spears' Crossroads movie, right? That's the no movie she way. did, crossroad. Crossroads. Yeah. Oh. Who would have known? Who would have thought? One fun? degree A of
2: separation. Amazing. I know.
1: What the heck? So, uh, I almost called you Giles. Daniel, what did you think of the episode? <laughs> Rupert Giles-hour. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's right. His spinoff podcast. We completely forgot. Thank you for remembering the lore of our podcast. (laughs) I remember.
2: Well, remembering the lore would be maybe one of the reasons why I love this episode. We get an Oz throwback and a fucking Ted throwback. You didn't have to set it up so wonderfully. This, This episode is so good. There's so much good foreshadowing. So I love Jane Espenson. I don't know if it was just me, but, like, the directing of this was weird. I mean, James Scott has done so many episodes, but this was such a weird episode. Like, it wasn't the body or Restless that feels so weird, but it was like, did you notice how many fucking, like, weird facial expressions there were? Like, we cut to people's faces so many times for, like, weird facial
1: expressions. The picture that you have up right now is that zoom-in on the checks Mix Bowl. I thought that yeah. was one of the strangest shots in the whole show. Why did they zoom in on that? Like... It's know. bizarre, as if it's making a statement. Yeah, it does. it is little touches like that that make this feel almost like a dream, this episode sometimes. It's very strange.
2: But I love the, the long conversations, especially with Buffy. Obviously, we're doing it with Joyce for the dramatic effect. But then to have her at the end talking to April so long was excellent. I think it only matters—it means so, so much now because of Warren. Like, when Tara sees Warren, right. I don't know who Warren is or whatever. Like, who isn't like, oh my god, Warren— is the person who kills you. The first time I saw Warren in this episode, I was just like, but I'm trying to watch it objectively where I'm like, I don't know who Warren is.
1: So... Uh, Jane said the same exact thing and I completely agree that this episode especially the Tara thing she was like that's so gutting like the irony of her being especially during that conversation she's the only one apathetic to Warren being like everyone's like oh god he made a sex robot she's like I guess he was really lonely that sucks like everybody deserves love and it's just like that's the guy that fucking kills you because he's a fucking lunatic incel misogynist and he kills you and it's just like that it's gutting and it was like really touching to hear Jane talk about it because you could tell she was emotional I feel like I feel like Marty Noxon's decision, and I'm sorry to go on a t- tangent about this because <laughs> there'll be plenty more times where I do this. It sounds like it was Marty's ship at that point. Like, she was running the show, literally, that like she was the showrunner. Uh, but I think maybe her decision to kill Tara was not, well, like, not everybody was on board. I don't know. The way that Jane was talking about it made me feel like that. And I, I don't know. But uh, she said in the commentary that that this episode is really important and really good in hindsight. Yeah, And I think that's why I personally was having a hard time with this. So I, I went on a roller coaster with this episode. I started, I was like, yeah, it was a, it's a fine episode. Totally, like, whatever. And then after hearing the commentary for uh, of Jane Espenson, which, by the way, if you have the ability to listen to, I, like, highly recommend. This was my favorite one by far that anyone's done, including the previous ones that she's done, which were great, too. But, like, the, something about this was just really compelling. She talked, made a lot of excellent points and really explained a lot of a cool stuff. But... Um, I, after listening to that, I was like, oh my God, this might be the best episode of season five. I'm just like losing my mind. And then like rewatching it again, I was like, ah, oh, maybe this is not as good. And I just like kept raising and lowering the rankings. And it's just like, I don't know how I feel. It's, it's like, it's tough because it's the last fun episode of the season. And it's like bonkers to feel that way for me because Buffy's mom is dead at the end of it. So it's just like all this shit. It, it It's a lot. It's a lot of one episode. And like, should we be talking about it objectively, like trying to put us back in watching it the first time? I feel like you guys are closer to that than I am just because I watched this for the first time so long ago. Like, I can't. It's hard for me to undo any of that, but it's hard for anybody to do it once you know what happens. But the only way I can think to talk about this episode is kind of just go through the beats because it feels like a lot. But I don't know. Maybe it's not. Maybe by the end of this, we'll have talked ourselves out of it or into it. I don't know. I'm excited and scared. I'm scared sighted. You're messing with me. <laughs>
0: We just wanted to see how many times we could get you to do it.
1: All right, first scene is uh, the training room, right? Where We got Puffy, Sander, and Giles, Puffy's and Buffy, Sander. and Jane opens up the commentary saying that the theme of the episode is Buffy's relationship with men, right? Which, obviously, we see throughout the episode. of uh, mm-hmm. Buffy struggling with the past relationships, relationships she's trying to cultivate now, future relationships. She's having a hard time.
0: Aren't I responsible? I mean, something about me had to make him feel that, right? Something that made him say, woof, that's the
1: one for me!
0: Buffy,
1: I think you should perhaps calm down a little. Me too. Buffy is blaming herself for Spike being attracted to her, which Giles rightly says, "Don't be an idiot. It's not your fault." Well, I mean, her mom in like the last
3: episode was like, "Did you lead Spike?" Oh on? yeah,
1: yeah, and that's why I feel so bad for Buffy. Like poor rape cultured Buffy's like, "Is it my? What was that? It was because what I was wearing. What did I do wrong?" And then Giles utters, but "It's not that you're not attracted. I'm just like, oh no, <laughs> stop, abort, abort." Which she does. Um, I'm really glad that Xander steps in because she starts to say that she's self-involved, like, I'm incredibly strong and remarkably self-involved. He's like, I don't think you're like that at all. Jane said something that I, like, wrote down and underlined a million times. She's like, yeah, we wrote Buffy to be kind of self-involved and standoffish with her friends. And I was like, I don't think she's that way at all. Do you find Buffy standoffish?
3: Yeah, I would say so. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Why? I mean, she's always been kind of, like, apart from the group because of her role. And I think that's part of why Riley struggled is because he didn't want to be part of the group. He wanted to be special and on Buffy's level, and he like, inherently can't be. She kills Angel. No one can understand. She has to leave. Like, She doesn't always go to her friends for comfort, and that was the thing that Willow had issues with. Buffy, like, why don't you come to me and talk about this? Mm.
2: Two episodes, she lied to her friends again. So, yeah, yeah, she doesn't tell them about Dawn. No, I think the show struggles with, like, that line because I think we as a viewer see Buffy way more sympathetically, so we don't probably think of her as very standoffish. But I think the show wants us to know that there is that sort of, like, we shouldn't be so shocked when, like, they get mad at her for being the way that she kind of is. I mean, I think she's just being hard on herself, though. So I think she's just sort of saying all the the mean things. And she even says, like, "I, I just want to find, I guess I'm looking for the other one, one I won't chase away. You know, so we're back to the fucking I'm the one that pushed him away type of shit. It's like, come on, like you, you already came to the right conclusion. Stop backpedaling on the wrong ones. It sucks.
3: I mean, I can see why Buffy is in this mindset that, like, there's something wrong with her because, like, the quote-unquote right guy left because of her and Spike likes her. So, like, there must be something there that's, like, inherently wrong with her that she drives off the right guy but is attracting these monsters like Spike. Like, what is that thing? And I can see why you would be worried about that, especially with that happening in, like, such quick succession. But Yeah, sure, that's just, you know, and then you get your breakup haircut and you get over it. Like, <laughs> but I think everyone kind of goes through that moment. Like, what's wrong with me after you, like, break up with someone?
1: Or Yeah. Especially when it's as dramatic as the guy gets in a fucking helicopter and flies away. Yeah.
3: yeah. Well, especially after your first boyfriend also just has to leave the town about you.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's why the Ben joke was so funny later. Like, I have a history of people. You're going to leave town. You just got here. Like, I don't want you to go. It's very funny. I also love uh, Puffy Xander in this because it feels like a very deliberate choice of like the most intimate moment between the two of them. And he's fucking in a goddamn sumo costume. It's fucking mm-hmm. great. And it just it added that layer of what she does so well. Great writing with like a funny fucking premise that totally makes sense. She doesn't have anyone to fight anymore. And also the thing that I love the most about the scene is that Giles 100% after he made that comment about you being attractive and then, oh, no, 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 my God, he literally left the room. We do not see him again. So he was like, I have nothing. I don't even want to hear the rest of this conversation. Shame spiral. Or just like,
1: I don't care
3: anymore. He went back to the magic shop and started drinking. Yeah. Oh, man.
1: He parachuted out of two conversations in this episode. This one and then later with Joyce is like, bye. Yeah.
3: You want to stay here and talk about boys with my mom? <laughs> yeah. Only that
1: one's going to eat him up tomorrow
2: later. when he finds out what happened to Joyce. So yeah,
1: that was the last time I ever talked to Joyce. Holy shit! Oh god.
0: I mean, unless you want to stay for a while, and then you and I. Who could. wants to hear everything? Listen to
1: my mom talk about boys.
0: Right. Must go. See you tomorrow. Bye, Joyce.
1: Bye, Rupert. So Xander says while he's trying to make you know talk Buffy up, like you know give yourself a break. Do you ever think that? The reason why this stuff doesn't work out is because we're on a Hellmouth. Mm. And for some reason, that sent me off the deep end. Between that and the comment like Joss made about how the Hellmouth is the MacGuffin can do whatever it wants, I've never looked at this show in the context of like we we joke, this town is fucked up, all these people are ridiculous, but like what if they're like really different like what if if stuff does actually affect them what if if some of these events are legitimately because they're under some kind of mystical pull
3: I mean, evidence for that is when the guy who drove April to Sunnydale is like, are you sure you really want to get out here?
0: Sure.
1: sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was supposed to be like a dig about how shitty and small Sunnydale is, I'm sure. But like, maybe it's like, this place is like bad vibes. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, maybe don't stop. I don't know. But, yeah. I just like, I've never thought about it. it was like when you guys are explaining the concept of an unreliable narrator, and I was just like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: if we watched this show through the eyes of that guy dropping April off, we would probably see a different. Because he would just be describing, like, no, there was this fucking crazy, like, everybody got th- this disease where they couldn't talk. There's, like, monsters going around. There's trolls. <laughs> like, all this stuff. And she just. Their
3: school blew, school blew, up, blew up for no up, reason. And they left
2: it standing for, like, three years. It's like a monument. I mean, I don't even understand. They don't have a police force. Their police budget is literally $15. Like, I don't, I don't think you should be here. If you die here, you there is no cop. There is no coroner. There is no ambulance, as far as I know. Like, that has gone. Like, you're, you're dead.
1: I always thought of the Hellmouth as ad- an added stressor because of the things it attracts, right? Like, there are more demons here. That's ob- Things are way dramatic already because the life and death stakes are much higher because mm. people will be dying. And, like, even Riley, the fact that the initiative exists, like, that- those all things, all those things happen because it's a Hellmouth, but just because the nature of, like, demons are here, right? I never thought about it in the context of it's happening because the Hellmouth is also messing with people physiologically like mm. screwing people up i don't know i just thought that was like a really interesting thing but apparently like that's what thought has crossed your mind before
3: no i mean i didn't watch like some assembly required some assembly
1: yeah
3: required yeah and was like hmm that's like kind of
1: possessed or something
3: probably put this frankenstein together because of the hell mouth
2: yeah, but, no yeah. I don't think that either I don't know but I think you introduce an element of of crazy shit that turns people's brains'll brain I think it could rewire your brain you become a different person when you're constantly living in a fucking nightmare of yeah. aliens and monsters like yeah you're gonna just do things differently you don't need a hell mouth but it is you know you could say it's caused by the hell mouth but it's not like the hell mouth like radiating the seed of magic right and something I think, like that you know
3: yeah it might just be an issue of access. Like, if you needed the equipment and knowledge and supplies to create a Frankenstein, that would be easier to acquire on a Hellmouth, one would think, than someone in the middle of Iowa. Yeah. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Like, or you'd be more likely to stumble across magic actually happening, or you'd know that there are vampires, and so you look into that, and, like, that kind of thing, whereas if you aren't... As likely to be exposed to it, maybe you would have less super geniuses because those super geniuses are, like, building computer chips or something as opposed yeah. to, like, Frankensteins. And
1: that's how I've always thought of it. It's just, like, yeah. it's just the nature of the Hellmouth means that demons are here, these things are here, so therefore other magical stuff happens. But I don't know, it was just a really interesting take, yeah. thought experiment for a second to be like, maybe they're also kind of possessed.
0: Just the idea of computers was like, whoa, I'm 1,100 years old. I had trouble adjusting to the
1: idea of Lutherans. So the Joyce, Don, and Buffy scene. Yes. Uh, This is the first time we see Joyce dating, other than Ted. So, Mm -hmm. how apt... That I mean, like, obviously, Jane Espenson is very aware. She's a student of the show. She's the only one that cares about callbacks. She even mentioned in the commentary, she's like, I love doing callbacks. <laughs> I love talking about stuff that happened before. This is amazing. Like, you know, she talks about how she does the Oz one in this episode, but she's like, in the replacement, I mentioned this. I made Xander do the stupid dance because of that stupid comment back in season three. I love callbacks. I was like, and we all love you yes, for it, Jane. Oh, Thank God. you. Perfect. Um, but. I was curious if either of you thought that Joyce has been dating this whole time, kind of off-screen, or do you think this is, like, legit her first date?
3: I mean, it seems weird for her to be dating off-screen and us not to know about it.
1: Because it would affect the kids, right? It would affect Buffy and Dawn.
3: Yeah, but it also seems even weirder that you'd have this, like, near-death scare still feel kind of crappy. It seems like maybe she's still having, like, some fatigue and stuff. It'd be like, time to go on the dating scene. Out of absolutely nowhere when you haven't done that for years
1: <laughs> yeah but i mean there's this big gap between ted and oh, yeah. you know the beginning of season five where she's well, that's sick. what i'm saying yeah yeah
3: well, if she wasn't dating that entire time oh why would seems she start like now, a weird yeah. moment to start yeah fair enough um, or maybe she's
1: got a new lease on life right like, yeah, like i think that's the what day. they're
2: trying to, to make it seem like i just think about the other suitors that she would be with six months ago when dawn wasn't there and now they also have to have mm. their memories implanted by the monks who know of Joyce's <laughs> history as well, right? So that's oh, no. big question mark for me. Um, I- I'm
3: just thinking about Faith and uh, coming back and, like, clearly Buffy hasn't been to visit her mom in a long time. Like, we don't know
1: what Joyce has been up to. Yeah, we really don't. Until the last
3: six months.
1: You've served your purpose. You squirted out the kid, raised her up,
3: and now you might as well be dead.
1: We know she's got amazing, hilarious anecdotes for days. She does. Jesus.
3: And I mean you saw what she did when
1: she had one night alone with Giles. Mm-hmm. That's true. She's a hussy. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think it's weird that she asked Buffy for dating advice?
3: Yeah.
1: Do you think it's weird because she's her daughter or because Buffy's bad at relationships?
3: <laughs> <laughs> the daughter part. <laughs>
1: well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean so I only say the Well Buffy's self confessed. She's like, I don't ask me. I'm not I'm qualified terrible. At dating. For giving,
2: yeah, doctor love Doctor yeah. Buffy, yeah.
1: Not to mention, I'm your daughter, don't talk to me. Yeah, it's funny both ways.
2: I mean, it's more funny because she's really bad at relationships. But I love Buffy spelling it out where she's like, I've only had two boyfriends and they're both gone. It's great. Yeah, like left
1: town gone. Yeah. Had to fly away in the (laughs) helicopter. Gone.
3: I feel like this is the one time that you really see them together, like, as a family. Yeah. And they're, like, setting this up to immediately kill Joyce. To be like, look what what they could have had after all of this. And...
1: Yeah, apparently it was actually longer. the The dialogue she uh, Jane had written went on for even longer. She's like, it's it's plenty long as it is. But yeah, I mean, clearly they were trying to. She's Uh like, there's so many misleads in this episode, and one of them is this. You know, we finally get Joyce not just being concerned mother; she's actually having fun and hanging out with her kids. Uh, You know, we get the mislead with Ben. We get the mislead with even Spike. You know, throwing away his stuff, but then he's actually going to Warren, um, all that kind of stuff. But so this is certainly one of them.
2: The giveaway for yeah. me was when they started talking about.
0: He came to the gallery my first day back when I was, you know, kind of shaky, starting over. And he asked a question about these antique cameos. Oh, and I was so lost because Carol had been doing the ordering while I was sick. Well, it turned out that he didn't know anything about them
2: either. So we had a lot to talk about. The fact that it kept going on. Like now as a viewer, I'm like, red flag, red flag. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. This is so important. (laughs) This is so sad. This is so sad. Yeah. But like you as a viewer, you would probably think like this is weird. But like, I like Joyce. This is a cute moment. You don't really think about it till it's over. And you're like, no, more. Tell me more about Kathy or whatever. Tell me more about the lost invoices. Come on. It's
1: uh, it's devastating. It really is. And yeah, I think we're now we're all a little more trained, especially because we've all seen this show. But specifically, I think that this has become a, a thing for TV shows that are want mm-hmm. to kill off characters, where it's like you get the special kid episode with them, and we're like we're gonna do with Tara. You know, it's, totally. it sucks. Everyone's sad now. Thanks, show. Yeah. Um, so we get the kind of the transition scene with uh, Anya and Tara, which is the first Anya and Tara alone scene since uh, the Yoko Factor when they're in the bathroom together. Um, oh, yeah, and wow. I think this might be the, the last time we see them alone together. Actually, I can't think of another.
2: Ever? One.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. No, no. I mean, they're weird. They're the, what is it? What does Abed say? They're the Chandler and Phoebe. Although Chandler and Phoebe did have a, a storyline. But yeah, Chandler and Phoebe very, very infrequently were on friends together as a pairing. So that's all Anya and Tara that are the Chandler and Phoebe. Isn't that important? Well, I
2: mean, it was funny, though. I mean, it, it, we got our Willow shout out for the internet. And I love the yes. idea. Of, uh, again, it just like highlights the characters. It's just like, I'm spending money online and the dot-com crash probably hasn't happened yet. So it's even extra funny. And it's like, ah, yeah, everything's fine. It's very funny now from our vantage point of 20 years. It's like, you could trade stocks. It's like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> cool.
1: <laughs> Actually, I'm shocked that you are able to in 2001 do that online. I'm shocked. But I guess E-Trade's been a thing for a long time. Mm. Uh, I Jane was like, I struggle to write... April, a little bit because I want because she is so similar to Anya in their cadences. Mm-hmm. There is a difference, and I wanted to make sure I could highlight that as much as possible. Putting in the same scene together, it's like that's why you had to like talk about it so much in the following scene. So when we get to the what I guess is a luau party? I have some questions about this party. I
2: mean, just like the fashion of all the people there. It's just struggling to find its identity. There seems to be like big mascot puppets in the background that have giant eyes that like, I was never able to identify in other scenes. Like things are happening here that are inexplicable. But it is it something is It's sunny very- down,
1: so strangely decorated and i don't really know what's going on thematically for sure but i as someone who did not go to college especially not one where you live on campus i was curious about the whole concept of this so they're clearly at uc sunnydale they like that's they're in the sad room i think where buffy had her birthday party in season four um i think that's what this room is but maybe not uh but they're clearly at uc sunnydale one way or another so this she's whoever says that this is the spring break party right So is it common for a school to have parties when students are largely not there? But I guess people can have parties whenever. Because some people stay on on campus, I guess, during the holidays, right?
3: I think you have to have special permission or something. Uh, Because the school needs to know for, like, liability reasons who's there. Okay. So I don't think that there would be at least a sanctioned on-campus party. Event. Yeah. Yeah. Totally.
1: Anything. Okay. Not only, I don't think this is something that would happen, who would attend? Who would attend? Right? Who would attend? Why is Ben there?
2: Why uh, why is Spike there? Why are some of our people there? They make no sense.
1: Yeah, even more bewildering, who would attend? Why are these people attending? (laughs) Why the fuck is Ben there? I mean, Spike only shows up to, like, rip Buffy, Buffy, obviously. But, like, Zader shouldn't be there. He still should not be on campus for any reason, which means, like, his should even more not be there. Like, why? I party party you make me sad
0: well actually these are orthopedic pants man that sounded so funny in my head
1: james been said said that they one of the misdirects was like you know we think ben's going to be the new love interest and in order to set that up we had to make him over the top charming so she kept saying that he had to be so charming and charismatic and like guy yeah, affable guy and, and buffy should be with him because the audience knows he's a villain and i'm like
2: again i don't
1: i don't, I don't agree. I don't think so. Um, And that the the audience would judge Buffy for not kind of like seeing through him being the bad guy if he wasn't the the over-the-top, I'm charming, nice guy. And I just don't feel that. I never read that once because I don't think Ben is – I don't think Ben is in any way serving glory. Do you?
3: I don't think we know. Yeah. Really. Really. I think it's a reasonable question to ask. I mean, we know that Ben is associated with Glory. I mean, we saw them transition, but we also know that Ben has done things for Glory because he's had those conversations with Jinx. Right. And, yes, he did protect Dawn, but is it just because, like, he's got some moral qualms about hurting children, or is it because he's actually a good guy? You don't know that. And for Buffy to outright reject Spike and say you're evil to immediately go on a date with the season's villain is a weird twist to be like, what is the right guy to immediately accidentally date your arch nemesis? Right.
1: But I think it's, you know, part of the joke, right? Right. Yeah. But if he was a normal guy, he
2: doesn't have to be over the top charismatic. He could just be normal. You know, like. I, I mean,
3: was he over
1: the top character? I didn't think though? so.
2: <laughs> I don't think he was either. That's why I'm, the whole thing is confusing to me because I don't think he was that charming or over the top or whatever you were saying about having to like make this distinction. And then I'm just saying, me as a viewer, like, even with all of that, I still just don't know the connection between the two of them. So I, I mean, don't know.
3: It's weird because, like, as far as like, I know this isn't a meet cute, but there's been very cute scenes between love interests in the show with like. Willow and Tara and Willow and Oz and um, even, like, Anya and Xander when they first started dating had a few cute moments. But this is not one of those, even. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) what I said when we were watching it is, like, this guy's only got one line, which is, hey, is he bothering you?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Which is totally true.
0: Was that guy bothering you? Should I um, offer to get inappropriately violent or something
2: he's not even as charismatic as that guy from (laughs) season four whatever the fuck his name was parker or whatever like parker was had
1: more charisma Mm -hmm. than this fucking guy i live here she went on jane espenson that is went on to say that that's why he was so persistent that it was supposed to be predatory almost And i was like is he being overly persistent like i don't know if we were supposed to read this stuff i'm sorry it did not come across because i think that he was the normal level of Persistent. I, Buffy wasn't saying no. Buffy didn't walk away. She wasn't like, please stop talking to me. They were having a conversation. Other than the fact that, and she even points this out, he went to go dump out his cup inexplicably when he could have just drank what was ever in it and is going to the trash can for the world's longest time. Why did it take him so long to throw that cup away? And she kept calling it a trash basket, which I think is really adorable because it's like a portmanteau of trash can and wastebasket. Trash basket. It's my new favorite thing. Mm. Anyway, Ben is bad at throwing things away in the trash basket, and I don't think that it was weird for him to keep to ask. He for also if...
2: kind of said no, and then it seemed like he said yes in the end, just because Buffy was like sadly looking at him, and he was like, "No, I don't." Okay, let me let me go like steal myself for yeah. this. Uh, yeah, let me go to the trash basket, and I don't know, get another drink. That's how I read it was. <laughs> I'm gonna go take a couple <laughs> shots over here real quick, and then we'll be gone. I mean, I yeah maybe.
3: I mean, that would make more we sense. We just needed Jesus.
2: him to go away. That
3: would be kind of funny to see him downing shots I mean, in the yeah, background. Super funny.
1: <laughs> what the hell is predatory about her being like, do you want to dance? And he's like, I don't really want to. Oh, okay, I will, predator. Because
3: <laughs> uh, it was so aggressive giving her his number pre-dance. Mm.
1: <laughs> sure,
2: sure. <laughs> Wait, he referred to her as coffee. It's plausible deniability. I'm just talking about coffee. I just love coffee a lot. Out of context. Do you funny. think
1: coffee was a metaphor for something? Did it mean something that wasn't coffee? I mean, God, could it? I'm just could kidding. It I think
0: you should know that I... I kind of have this bad history in which, you know, we go get coffee and, well, it all ends with, with you leaving town and you just got here and everything's... Uh, apparently we'd be risking a tragic chain reaction, but I just really like coffee. I think coffee might be worth it. And I would like to get to know coffee better
2: i mean spike was a creep and spike got thrown through a window which was fucking great
1: which is awesome um
2: again no trump there's nobody reacts nobody does much of anything except like vaguely and step when buffy away gets
1: thrown to the ground no one fucking no helps, one her. helps
2: her <laughs>
1: no. what was that That's why i love that she gets thrown
2: on the <laughs> ground thrown a couple of feet i mean yeah you're falling on some stuff it would hurt us but buffy is like this hurts that shouldn't hurt you You've been done so much more dirty than that.
3: She got more injured by April than she did
0: by Glory. Gloria. What the hell? Ooh, can we throw him out the window like the robot did? Because that was neat.
1: So Anya and Tara are the first ones to meet April, and they obviously think she's kind of weird. But uh, do you think that they thought she was a robot immediately? No, right? So, but but right after this, we all kind of have a little reconvene in some adjacent room, um, on campus yeah, somewhere. I know. And everybody immediately was like, Oh yeah, she was a robot. Would you ever think that? Do you think do you think it was just because of the strength aspect? Like that's what kind of tipped the scales? Like she's weird and she just threw a spike through a window.
2: Yeah, no, I mean maybe. I, I to be honest with you, I think that it's uh for one the one time Tara thought of something in her head, she was she you know, just a little bit before going into that room and then she was like, robots? and she just threw it out there because that's what she was feeling. She was feeling that vibe and she's a very, you know, she, she knows. So she was right, but she's usually afraid to say it. But she said it this time and everyone's like, robot. But yeah, no, she's,
1: she's right. She's talking right. I'm trying to remember Ted was pretty strong, right? Like Ted, cause Ted threw Buffy around a little bit. Right. So mm-hmm. maybe all robots are strong. Yeah. And
2: Willow and Xander should know the warning signs at that point. But then again, Ted is so different than April. So what's the, you know, they wouldn't know what to look for. He's not making them yeah. pizzas or whatever. And. Giving them, you know, RAM for their computer like he did for Willow, you know? Like, I'm sure that if April was like, here's some RAM, they would be like, this bitch is a robot.
0: I like my new 9 gig hard drive. But you don't love it, because without the DMA upgrade, your computer's only half a rocket ship. Yeah, but who can afford the upgrades? Well, you can. I get the
2: demos for free. I don't see why I shouldn't give them to you for the same price, any friend of Buffy's.
0: (laughs) What? That's the sound she makes when she speeches with Geeker Joy.
2: Oh, I did love uh, Willow saying, like, like echoing xander or whatever xander's bullshit and willow's like yeah that girl's not gonna you know have trouble finding someone to be with or whatever and fucking tara shoots her that look she's like
1: what i know (laughs) amazing Uh, oh so fun uh jane again said that they had a tendency to write anya as like stereotypically girly like um that she would immediately get jealous because Xander was doing that thing. So she's like, I went of my way to write that she was okay with Xander, like flirting with that girl or like paying attention to her because she was tired of her being held to these stereotypical traps that women always get pigeonholed into. Like she's domineering, she's jealous, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yay. But then Tara being jealous was super cute. (laughs) That was funny. Well, they went.
2: I felt like they went out of their way. Like every scene with Anya was almost just like, Again, it's something Anya would do, which is like, I'm I'm so open and I'm letting my boyfriend dance with yeah. Buffy. I, I'm I just, okay with it. I'm okay with it. And it's like, oh, okay. It's funny because she would do something like that as if she read a book and was like, I'm going to be more open and, and less uh, a stereotype or whatever she is doing, which is exactly what Jane is writing. And yeah, good stuff.
1: So the babysitting scene, great lines, but um, like when Buffy comes home to relieve Giles of his babysitting duties, I'm glad that Jane pointed out that. It's not because she's 14 she doesn't need a babysitter, as Giles says. Now it's more she's the key and we're going to protect her. Although, I mean, we like to forget that four months ago we were actually babysitting her because she was 14 and he needed a babysitter. But that's fine. So that was nice that Jane at least verbalized that. And that does feel better. That does make a little more sense. Although we already dunked on Giles for not being able to protect her. So I don't know. I don't know why we're saying this now. But um, we have fun mom. Again, we have fun Joyce. Talking about her her date, making jokes. Oh dear. What?
0: I left my bra in his car. Mother I'm joking. (sighs) Good God, that's horrible. Don't do that.
1: I left it in the restaurant. Jane Espenson was peeved because they put her in a dress that didn't have that you would not wear a bra with, and then they made the bra jokes. But I mean, it still works. It's so fine, but I um I don't really have anything else to say about the scene. <laughs> well, I was going to put uh, the only thing I put it was like, is Joyce fun off camera? But then I, kn- I know, I know that she's not because every time she tells an anecdote about the gallery, it's the most boring fucking thing you've ever heard in your life. <laughs>
2: so. <laughs> yeah, and we, it's so hard because it's the last episode. So we can't really, do we want to tackle these huge questions and really do we want to make fun of Joyce? But the last, I mean, we got to do it a little bit. We already kind of have, but man, we want to lay into her because, yes, no, she, no, Kelly, she's not fun. She's not
0: fun. <laughs> so Faith was like, I'm going to beat you up. And I'm all, I'm not afraid of you. And then she had the knife, which was less fun. And then, oh, I, I told her, you made your choice. Buffy was your friend.
1: Yes.
0: This is fascinating, but just to get back to the point.
1: So when we go back to the Magic Box to talk about our new robot friend, yes. we talk to Giles about it. Tara says one of the most awkward line in a, from a character who's pretty awkward. Uh, says she practically had genuine molded plastic stamps on her ass. Joss apparently wanted to pull that line from the script because he thought it was something that Tara would never say, and I wholeheartedly agree. Jane defended it by saying it's fun to write out of character for your characters, and I agree. But I don't think one Tara is well established enough to pull that line off and two like to, to break character already and two it is something she would never new ever character. ever say new character yeah <laughs> yeah it's just like completely bonkers so how do you do you think that we should have kept that line then i think it's fine what we don't know tara at
3: all we have no idea what she's saying when she's alone with willow <laughs> oh, yeah maybe this is <laughs> maybe I mean, totally normal tara
1: <laughs> and willow's look of confusion is like we're not alone we're in yeah. public we're in public <laughs>
3: <laughs> that line has always had like a one to one connection with Willow when they're like talking about burning demon corpses or something. And she was like, I'll bring the marshmallows. And she's like, Sometimes that can be dark and strange. Yeah. Like, yeah. you just like, every once in a while, you just have like an off moment where you say something <laughs> and it doesn't hit right. And you're like, oh, I don't know. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and we can't ever be sure if Tara's aware that she's speaking out loud or not yeah. because she is <laughs> totally. <all the> <laughs> she didn't mean to say it. <laughs> But then she had to double down, like, oh, just tried a little spicy duck. Yep.
0: That's Never doing that, like. that again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Xander has the gall to implicate Oz oh, in his on about excusing all men for wanting sex robots. She's a sex
0: bot. I mean, what guy doesn't dream about that? Beautiful girl with no other thought but to please you. Willing to do anything. Too many girls. I miss Oz. He'd get it. He wouldn't say anything, but...
1: <clears throat> I don't think... I personally don't think that Oz would want a sex robot. What do you think, Stacia?
3: <laughs> I've never thought I about mean, it before. And I just, <laughs> how, could <laughs> how could you know? How could you know? All right, Daniel, as the honorary male in this group.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think Oswald? would I want think sex I think what Xander robot?
2: said wins the day because he said, he, that dude understands. He would get it because he wants a sex robot, but he would never say anything, so we wouldn't know. So at the end of the day, yes. Z- Xander's right. I mean, right? You'll never know.
1: I mean, and, and that was one of the best lines ever in the show, too. Like, he, he, would, get, he would get it. Right. He wouldn't say anything. <laughs> it's fair. But he would get it. <laughs> i thought it was
2: hilarious i mean
1: because xander's such a
2: like this is xander and and as i was watching Will, uh, warren i was like warren is just xander but like without girlfriends and like smart like that's literally the mm-hmm. only difference and obviously xander got to break away and become more, a more fully fledged person but warren didn't i mean he's got these dark sides to him but it's like i could i could see xander being that but you know it's funny that he's self-aware enough to be like oh, I'm um around a bunch of girls it's probably not the best time to Be talking about sex robots, (laughs) right? I mean, it's it's silly, but everybody at least went to the conclusion that like that's what this was for. At least nobody was pretending it was anything else, which is correct.
1: Except for Giles, who was like, "No, what? No, what? I have to help a customer." Well, no one was helping that customer. (laughs) They were
2: all sitting at the table. (laughs) That is
3: true. (laughs) Could you imagine (laughs) if you were a customer and you walked up and they're like, "Sex robots, sex robots, everyone wants one," and you're like, "I'm gonna go."
1: It's like being at a Mexican restaurant and accidentally shouting dicks on Twitter 600 times in front of a small child. (laughs) But who would do that? So oddly
3: specific. (laughs) You get completely fictional. Well,
0: according to Freddie's latest editorial, the pep rally is a place for pseudo-prostitutes to provoke men into a sexual frenzy, which when thwarted results in pointless athletic competition.
1: And the downside being
0: paper is edging
1: depressing, right? You guys notice that? I don't know. I always go straight to the obits. Okay, so the heavy topic of the conversation is delivered succinctly by Buffy saying, "Warren's just a big wedge of sleaze." Now, this is, was one of my roller coaster moments of this episode because I went, kept like getting to these huge fits of rage about how much I hate him and how he's terrible misogynist and somebody should have put him down before he had a chance to hurt anybody. But Tara again fucking knife through the heart is the one to be like he was just lonely do you think what do you think about warren Not this warren this warren in this episode not the guy we know that's going to go on to try to rape his ex-girlfriend and then murder her and then murder tara and try to murder buffy but this guy who's just supposedly a nerd who builds a sex robot what do you think I guess I'm asking, is this already a bridge too far? My answer is absolutely yes. Is
3: what already a bridge too far? The fact
1: that he views women as, like, objects quite literally, that the point where he built one, uh, and, like, is a fucking maladjust who can't talk to people like human beings. Or is he just a lonely guy?
3: Mm, I think you could make arguments on both sides. Yeah.
1: Well, because, I mean, I... I think he shows his ass enough in this episode where the way he talks to his girlfriend, the way he talks to K- to Katrina is terrible. You know, like, shut up. Like, I know it's a heated moment because he's trying to, like, there's a murderous robot coming after me. Never mind the the, the circumstance of the fact that I created it. But, like, he he barks at her. He treats her like crap. He, he uh, throws Buffy under the bus when April's going after them instead of taking responsibility.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: He clearly made April in the first place because he can't talk to women or whatever i don't know i think he shows signs in this even in this where he's not doing anything particularly egregious of being a bad fucking dude but what's the case for him just being a lonely guy i guess just the face of it right he had to make a girlfriend because he's a loser i don't
2: think you have to make a case for anything I think that I think that the show makes him incredibly one dimensional. I think everything that Warren says, it's incredibly easy to fucking hate him. And I was actually kind of disappointed by that. I thought that there would be at least a little bit more nuance. But when he just starts yelling at fucking whatever his girlfriend's name is, Katrina, and fucking like laying into her and poor her. She never had a chance in this episode. Like she was never going to be she was just saying the things for, for him to put down so that we know he's a bad guy. That was pretty much all we needed to know. But having Willow and, or, and Tara specifically, you know, sort of team up together to be like, let's think about him not as like a monster and as another, but think of him because he's not a demon or another. He is literally another person. So maybe we should think about this, not in a way that just makes him a, a pure monster because there's no such thing. He's he is a person and, lo- and I, so he can be lonely and be an incredible right. misogynist at once at the same time. And that's exactly what he is. So, I mean, I like that they included that. that. I just wish that he was more nuanced as a character. But he's he's really not. Um, even though I enjoyed the monologue with Buffy and him. I enjoyed his him talking, though. Yeah. I guess it was too easy and predictable. You know, she got
0: boring. She was exactly what I wanted, and I didn't want her.
1: <laughs> I thought I was going crazy. Really? You? Yeah, this episode really did make me want, like, excited to watch season six. Like, really, because... Like, he's a real villain. He's a person who is a bad person. It's He's not a demon. He's not a monster. He's a person who is a bad guy. And it's like that, like...
3: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. But at this point, yeah. he's not, you know, black and white evil.
1: I mean, I think you brought up a good point. When he's talking to Buffy on the couch, he does seem earnest. He's like, I just, I made her to love me. I would just make, and then I met a girl that I really like. Everything he said was totally fine and normal and made sense
3: i think that's my thing with this episode is like warren himself is not so compelling but like the questions that he poses is really interesting like i made this thing or like you know like the idea of being careful what you wish for like he was wishing for the perfect girlfriend he gets the perfect girlfriend and realizes like her perfection makes her imperfect almost like she's everything he wanted and therefore he's bored by it and with buffy You know, Buffy's saying, what's the perfect guy? What do I... (laughs) Right? And Warren's echoing all these things about, like, perfection isn't what you think it is. It's not what you want. So I think all of that's really interesting, and I find that really believable to be, like, I sent out with these, like, good intentions to, like, make this person to be a companion for me. And, like, yes, ex, but, like that wasn't the whole thing. It was, like, supposed to be this deep relationship, and then it didn't work out that way, and I don't know how to handle it. <laughs> and Buffy is like, I also don't know how to handle it. And I, I feel so bad for her.
2: <laughs> I mean, I, I love that, too. I just love, yeah. like, Buffy... Uh, attaching herself to April, too, and being like, you need to tell her before she dies. Like, you need Mm -hmm. to tell her that you're breaking up with her or whatever. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, you know, I get what Buffy's doing, and I get that she's incredibly lifelike. Like, it's kind of a marvel that I, I would almost be like, I agree with you, Buffy. But then it's like, she is a robot. Like, she will just power down. Like, it is strange that she's still around. I'm sure Warren is creeped out by, like, she should be dead by now. And again, just talking about her as if she, like, will die is again just pr- a lot of weight on this episode that then Joyce dies. Yeah, right?
1: I, uh Janie pointed out. She's like, what does it say that Buffy is so empathetic to this robot? Like, because I instantly fall into the trap of she's a person. Like Buffy's seeing her as a person, but obviously she's also painting all of her problems with Riley onto her. Mm-hmm. Like specifically, the you didn't yeah, give you- her a chance to fix this, and that's what she's still mm-hmm. hung up on. Um But I don't know, I. I I get it. I I not feel that Yeah, Warren also says
2: she's programmed to love, and then Buffy. So she's dangerous. Like
1: worst line in the episode. Written by Joss Whedon! Absolute fucking, <laughs> oh. absolute
2: garbage. I hated it so the much. The
3: man and the monster in me. I was going to say, the man who
1: brought us amends, the speech <laughs> and amends, uh, gave us that line. Of course he
3: did. <laughs> the man who brought us, <laughs> I terrible. can smell
2: the sunset, uh, brought us this. <laughs> 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 Some
3: choice, terrible dialogue, yeah. from Mr. Ugh. Whedon. God,
1: terrible. Yeah, terrible. Anyway, well, no, also,
2: if we're talking about Joss Whedon, the, obviously, with all that's happened in 2020 with Joss Whedon, right off the bat, just everything with uh well, we're, I guess we're probably going to the route with Spike in the magic box. Whatever, whatever Spike says about all those, like, all the lies that have been told, all of the vindictiveness, I was like, this could be Joss Whedon saying this type of stuff. This could be oh, his, totally. like, his defense of all of his bullshit.
0: Misrepresentations, misunderstandings, slurs and allegations. I don't know what Buffy told you, but the thing is, Slayer and I work together, side by side, to get rid of True. Drew, who's up to no good. And Spike I don't mind telling... This to me. Look, It's just, I'm trying to explain. She might have said some things that sounded like I expressed some kind of We
1: are not your friends. We are not your way to Buffy. There is no way to Buffy. Clear out of here and
3: spike this thing. Get over it.
1: I don't know what you mean. Yes, you do. Move the hell on. You really have to wonder where Spike's head is at, that he thought it was a good idea to go into the hornet's nest of her friends, her family, and be like, oh, no, she's a liar, guys misrepresentation. And the only reason he even went was to take the temperature of the group, like to try to defend himself against like, dude, just go away. Stay away from them. If you really want to like have this at uh, one day end game you and Buffy, you need to give everyone space from the moment you kidnapped her and threatened to kill her. <laughs> like, yeah. why would that be the move? Um so Jane Espenson was like, "Do you think Giles it's funny when she's like, I wonder to myself, person who wrote, helped to write this imaginary person, um, do you think Giles ever thinks about this moment, knowing that, you know, later once he knows that Buffy and him are together? And I'm like, probably not. I bet he doesn't remember this. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but it's very cool, I mean, to see the whole Ripper thing. God damn, he gets so scary. Mm-hmm. He gets so scary. Um, so Dawn in this scene, in the magic box scene, mentions Ted. Yeah. I know we've been talking about him kind of tangentially anyway. And she, and Jane brings up specifically, like, I really loved being able to write because the student of the show loves the show. Um, I love being able to write a line where Dawn is talking about an event that she was not there for. Great. And she was just like, I, I love this idea. I love this thing that we did. It was really cool. And I'm glad that I got to, to put it in there. And I'm like, all I can think about was Daniel talking about the monks destroying lives. Destroying everyone's life.
2: I love that she knows Ted and I love that like she was there for the mini the pup pup golf game and she saw like little Missy or whatever the fuck he like called her. Little like, lady? Little lady, yeah. He was yeah. He was, you know
3: she was gobbling down those fun. mini pizzas.
2: <laughs> Taking that ram that he was offering everybody. Yeah, she was definitely she was part of it. No, but I think about like last week where we were talking, I mean, with Spike, it's hard not to talk about the ending too when he goes to Warren. But, you know, I was talking last week about Spike, you know, he was creepy. His default is creepy. His default is sniffing people's clothes. But for once he was like, I'm going to step out of my mold because I have a chip in my head. I'm going to do a little bit of Angel here and try to like... I am a person. I used to be a person. I do have feelings. I don't show it because I'm a fucking vampire and we're outcasts in the world. And maybe this time I don't have to be. And he gives himself over to telling Buffy he gets rejected and immediately goes back to creepy. I mean, he goes back to build me a sex robot, because, again, I think if we're supposed to be thinking about this, like it is kind of more complicated because he is bad, but he can't really be bad. But he is incredibly lonely. Right. And he really wants Buffy.
1: He even has another moment in this episode earlier during the ridiculous party scene. Buffy says, fucking leave. I mean, she doesn't say it quite that way. And he does. Yeah. I mean, he stays, but, like, he gets out of her face. And that's just, like, a really little moment. That's why this guy, like, he's so infuriating because sometimes you just, like, want to write him off for being a creep. And then sometimes you're, like, he listened to her.
2: Yeah, but he was also, like, take my body, take my little bony body put your hands on my tight little
1: body (laughs) yeah come on like come on you
2: he he went creepy before once again he backed down that's what i mean he's i think his default is just like i'm gonna creep you out and then if you don't kind of go away we're gonna see what happens next and i can only go so far because i can't fight you so yeah i'll have to leave you know
3: but is it inherently creepier to have someone build you a robot than it is to just find some random person to have sex with to try to get over someone you like. Like at least that way you're not actually hurting anyone. Yeah, True.
1: and on the one like on the <laughs> other hand too, he, he knows he can't be with her. Yeah, so he's like trying to curb this addiction in this weird, yeah. not great way, but like he's still not bothering her in the process, right? Like yeah. he's not stalking her anymore. He's not putting all of his energy into actual Buffy. It's just yeah. this facsimile of her. Yeah.
2: I think yeah. we're projecting on it, too, because in my head, I'm seeing him, like, get a replica Buffy, which obviously he does. But then it just, like, spirals your brain. I mean, like, it's one thing to create, like, an April who's, like, uh, not somebody that maybe Warren knows. It's not just a replica of somebody that he was into. Right. But hopefully someone to- totally different. But, like, creating a Buffy bot, which he does, right? I mean, that is a plot line. I didn't dream that. So <laughs> that is that is weird because then your brain starts – that to me, it, it's like we're starting to spiral out at that point because then – Where are we telling reality from not reality? Like him having a sex bot, that's great. Go for it. If that, yeah, because I'm with you. Don't hurt somebody else. It might just be better to hurt yourself. But then when you're like, I'm making an exact replica of Buffy that is lifelike, exactly like April, which how does he get the parts? Like even Westworld can't do this. Like how is he, how is this possible?
1: How is this possible? (laughs) There's no way that it's not creepy. Whether or not it's good is one thing. Would it be
3: less creepy if it wasn't Buffy's face?
1: Yeah, I think, cause then it's just a rando. Yeah.
3: I don't. I mean, I guess I'm trying to. I'm trying to nail down what exactly is creepy about it. Yeah,
1: I guess because like it is, is Buffy. it because it's Buffy? Yeah. I think it's because it's. But Buffy. But then
3: you say that Warren's creepy, even though April's a, a no
1: one. No, that's still creepy. Sex robots are creepy. They're right. just creepy. Yeah, but yeah. are they good or bad? That's I, I feel like a different question. Like, is what's wrong with it morally? I don't know. I like Buffy bot either. I don't think that like morally. We've just made the case for either way. But the creepiness is always here.
2: Well, yeah, and the way that I'm seeing it, I don't think I'm seeing it the right way. Because in my head, I'm just seeing like, if you're creating a one-to-one person, this is just like pop psychology. This is not real. But it's like, you're going to start blending the two realities together. And then it's like you're going to do bad things to even the real one. Like, I don't know, just something's going to happen where you, you just start to see reality different because they're the same person and you're having this fake relationship with Buffy bot. And then you still are interacting with the real Buffy and you're pretending as if you're in a relationship, but it like, will just get increasingly creepy and creepy and creepy because you've been with Buffy and you've slept with Buffy, and then you start to act like you've done that, and then you're just a rounder. I don't know.
3: Like, I guess in my head, I'm having a hard time like nailing down like what is so off-putting about it. Because like I agree, it it is like creepy, but what about it is actually creepy? And you're like, well, because then you start thinking that he's done these things with Buffy. Well, what if you're dating a twin? You don't start thinking you did oh those gosh. things with the twin. This is so many variables. Right? Like, of the so them, and you're like, oh... <laughs> Buffy's twin sister. (laughs) But, like, still, there is something, like, weird about it. But what is it? Because if it is a twin, it's not weird. So, like, what is that, like, piece of... Because it's a robot. I don't know. I know, (laughs) but... I don't know. I mean, I don't want to get too, like, X-rated, but... (laughs) I'm quickly heading that way, so I guess we can just go past it. But I just... I just... I think it's an interesting question. Because... It's, like, it's a victimless crime on a certain level. Like, yeah, I guess what he's doing is creepy. But, like, again, he's not hurting anyone.
2: So. We've all seen those. I mean, I don't know if you guys have. But, you know, Vice, every year, they've got a new fucking, like, 20-minute documentary about, you know, the guys who have sex dolls and stuff like that. And it's, like you know, obviously we're all we're yeah. supposed to feel a little bit skeeved out by it. But then in the end, all it is is just very lonely people that are very, very socially awkward. Yeah. And it's like this is making them happy. It's really hard to feel like there is a crime happening. It, I might feel creeped out by it, but I would never I don't think I would like judge someone and like shun them from my life. In
3: the, was it the last episode in the episode that we have with Bruffy and Drusilla when. Yeah, the, um, that was last
2: episode. Gosh.
3: Was it that episode? Or maybe it was the one before. It's the one where he's talking to Don, and he's telling the story about, like, killing this entire family in this house or whatever, and she's like, cool. But, like, you know, in that moment, like, it really crystallized. Like, you're sitting in a room with a serial killer alone, and you're thinking that he's, like, sexy and dangerous because he's killed all these people, but then he sniffs a sweatshirt, and you're suddenly like, that's the line! Like, <laughs> objectively, stealing Buffy's sweatshirt and building a robot are, like, the least of his sins, but yet we're just, like, too far. He's gone too far. Like, I mean, Buffy's kind of right, just that, like, you're canceled from the beginning because you're evil and you've killed all these people, and you don't care so I think that's part true, of it's that too true. is like why is it this thing that we can all inherently agree upon is like cancelable like Spike the character is dead yeah. to us the murdering of entire families fine kind of sexy but
2: but we love Buffy right so the fact that it's Buffy <laughs> is why we feel strongly if it was some random from season 2 and he was taking on their identity I don't think we'd be having this conversation
1: yeah I guess for the reason why it feels so bad is just because it's, it's the theoretical idea And, yeah, where does the correlation come from if there are no stats to back it up? But, like, these types of people that would want to have these sex robots or sex dolls or whatever are going to escalate their behaviors. I guess that I would need to, like, work on not having that association. But also, I just don't care that much. I don't know how often this comes up in my life. Warren killed (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Justification. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, not justification. Keep that
2: in mind. Two things at one hand. Two things at once. Two
1: no, I can't once. do it. I can't do both <laughs> at once. Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, quickly, the espresso pump scene is an embarrassment and the worst part of the episode, aside from she's in love, she's capable of danger.
2: I thought that they were going to lure her out to try to, like, do bad things to her, and then she yeah. was going to kill them all. That's kind of what I thought was going to happen. But they were literally well, just playing a dumb joke on
1: her. So Jane was like, I don't remember this scene. This might have gotten added after because we were short for the episode mm. or something uh but she's like but all it does to serve is to show that april's having a bad time like we get it we she already was having a bad. T- this is a dumb scene so this could have been straight lifted out of this show and that would have been fine
0: my name is buffy summers we were at sunnydale high together do you know who i am yes i know um april did she hurt someone not yet well no one that matters
1: uh so the last couple scenes we obviously have the big culmination on the playground Um, Jane was embarrassed by the seesaw getting smashed apparently she thought that looked really bad I was pretty funny picking that up Uh, I thought it was fine it was ridiculous but fine fine. Um, yeah so I again I don't have a lot of things to say about this scene other than obviously the swing set Daniel I think that you stated beautifully at the beginning that this is like Buffy's delivering this what you would want this end of life monologue almost I was a good girlfriend I'm sure you were
0: I'm only supposed to love him. If I can't do that, what am I for? What do I exist for? I don't know. It isn't fair. He wasn't fair to you. It's getting dark. So early to be dark.
1: Jim was like, I might have written one or two things that was supposed to be on the screen, but Josh was very specific and very hands on about it. And he wanted everything to be like he was the mastermind behind Robovision. And I'm like, shocker why it says like kink and sex position a million times. Like, I get it. That's the I, joke. But like, I, Jesus joke. Christ, dude.
2: <laughs> yeah. Fetish, neck rub, praise, sex, give him presents, listen sympathetically, uh, kissing a one. <laughs> Just, there's only one kiss, but there's at least six sex positions. But did you see that's when right. it went to uh, when it went to angry Buffy? combat mode enabled uh, one of one of the directives there is take uh, a takeabullet.gfd mm-hmm. so it's oh, another shit. another moment of like ooh Tara uh oh I like the scene no I I like the the fight I thought it was a great culmination of like everything that even Warren was saying to her like he was speaking to her in a way that again wasn't very cartoony too so I kind of liked that from Warren it was nice he i don't know what it was about him in this episode he was at sometimes cartoonishly ridiculous but also like he had these really good points that made him an interesting in enough character so i thought the concept was really cool even though her dying was very strange and just but you know again seeing the light and it's going dark and maybe he'll find me and even just buffy like the way she reacts to that was pretty interesting where she's like and then she'll, he'll come and say that he's sorry like again a lot of projection from buffy on what's happening low stakes i don't know if she really cares i wonder what they did with the body too like i mean not to reference the next episode oh, yeah. but what do they do with her afterwards like do you bury do you call the cops what do we do yeah with so station brought that up
1: too what what happened to it um we never get any resolution on that people theorize that maybe she was used um for, for like spare parts for the buffy bot That's because dark. like that would kind of make dark. sense dark. but yeah but dark yeah but like yeah but we never get confirmation on that uh, Jane said they should have won an award for best robot death and it, she makes some good points about aesthetically how it, like uh, she thought that Shonda Defar did a great job acting as though she were powering down and I, mm-hmm. like where she like especially at the very end where she gets so still she's like I thought the the scene like was paused for something but you could see her hair moving and then it's like yeah it's true she did a great job mm-hmm. good job robot
2: yeah I mean even like the, the lemons make lemonade or whatever and then just stopping yeah it was, it was good stuff. And it's also funny that he would program that into her or something like it was just so stupid. And like silly. And I don't know. Again, like I think that also speaks to the comfort thing. Like, how do you comfort someone? Sometimes it is just platitudes, especially for someone you don't know. So a lot of what Buffy was saying was just kind of like generic things you see in movies, which was very funny because then what happens to her is so personal coming up. So I think it's it's weird to see the contrast of just like comforting a stranger and a robot, no less. But then like just god the guilt that you would feel for like not being there with your mom when that happened like i'm sure it's like eats her alive you know terrible
1: do you think that she's saying what she wanted maybe riley or angel to say to her like because she says specifically like, she he was proud of you and you know you did a good job and you you were a good girlfriend and that kind of stuff do you think it's like that like you said it was projection but do you think she's saying the stuff that she would want to hear or is it just kind of like it is just those platitudes
2: i hope to god it's not projection i hope she doesn't need to hear that I hope to God she doesn't need to hear that. Because when I say, when I mean projection, <laughs> I just mean more of like these are internal things that are happening that you just shouldn't say out loud, but you're like kind of projecting them onto other people because you don't want to maybe admit things about yourself. So there might be a little bit of that, but my God, I don't want either one of them to ever say something like that to Buffy because that's. That's, I don't, I don't need that.
1: And, like, clearly she's not so insecure because she does come to the realization at the end of the episode that she doesn't want to date Ben, that she is enough for her, that the life of a Slayer is exciting and fulfilling enough that she doesn't need a man right now. So, like, it would be weird for her to be like, I just want a boy to tell me he's proud of me. (laughs) So, I don't know.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think the thing that Buffy recognizes is that April's only function is to be Warren's girlfriend. Like, her only function is to be in love. And she was just told that somehow she failed at that. And I think Buffy at the same time is realizing, like, maybe I failed at being a girlfriend, but that's not all that I am. Mm. And that's why she can go back and say, I'm not going to go on this date. It's time for me to figure out what I can be besides just a girlfriend. Like, I don't want to be April. While recognizing, like, I can give April as much comfort as I can because we're both, like, hurting in the same way in this moment. Like that this didn't work out and it's not the way that you wanted and what you thought you were working towards. And, um, I don't know. I think it was maybe cathartic for Buffy to have that moment with April and recognize like, this isn't the end of things like it is for her. Like I can move past this and I don't need to let like my relationship with men define who I am or like what's important to me or.
1: I think I've actually turned into someone you want around after a crazed robot attack. And if you ever start your own business, you have your slogan right there. Uh, Xander does save Buffy with her nice little wrap-up speech while he's fixing a window, which apparently Jane Espin went to the library and read a bunch of books about window carpentry and stuff to make sure that it was legit. It was legit. They're shimming and squaring and double glazing. Um, apparently, I don't know why I'm surprised by this. I guess just because I would never want this to happen and don't see it at all. But there's a big contingency of fans that really wanted Buffy and Xander to be together like from the beginning like they were supposed to be together and Jane even I guess can maybe concede is not the right word but said that we certainly wrote it that way and I'm like when when maybe in the beginning but I don't feel like it's written like that consistently um but this scene clearly gave fuel to that fire I guess people that are Oh, oh yeah shippers obviously but I don't know do you think that For me, during the course of the show, it's never crossed my mind that that was legitimately an option, that that would actually ever happen. Did you? Um,
3: The first time I watched the show, I was worried that it would happen, Mm -hmm. and I didn't want it to. Because I think that you could make an argument, you know, while the show is airing. Obviously, we know it doesn't happen now, but at this point that, like, Xander is the person that Buffy is going Mm -hmm. to grow to be, like with and he's like going to be the the end game like their hashtag goals or something and like this is like another step to recognizing that like I could see how you could have that hope and you know because sometimes shows really have like a really long slow burn where you wait five seasons or six seasons or eight seasons until the two main characters finally get together bones (laughs) Uh, but
2: (laughs) angel
1: (laughs)
3: yeah i never i mean there's also a huge contingency of people who think xander's really cute and they're all wrong so
1: i agree that there's there's and obviously there has been shows that do that but i feel like they give you a little bit more like they give you a few more breadcrumbs than this show does i feel like they never really play into it there's never a scene where somebody lingers too long or like a meaningful eye contact that is in like a sexy way
2: this episode do you think
1: that do you think this episode definitely has like a moment you almost get the huh. sense there are multiple
2: that moments.
3: Xander regrets being with Anya just because, like, maybe it's now's the time.
2: <laughs> well, this plays into their conversation, too, about, you know, Riley. So anytime we're talking about Riley and stuff, I think it's instructive to also see Xander was the one that pushed on, on that conversation. And Xander was the one that went to Anya. They're the ones that are still in the relationship. He, she is not. So it would not have shocked me in some world where, like, they turn the tables. I mean, they would have had to do a little work to make it, like, work, work. But like they could have done it easily. I mean, they've always been friends, and it's always been a connection between the two of them, and they'd have plenty of stuff to like laugh about. The same way that Spike and and um, Buffy do. There's tons of things to joke about, and oh, they've that got this rapport history, right? over the course of years. Yeah, where they can joke, and and you just know how they interact. Like Xander with Buffy would definitely creep some people out. I can't imagine it. But like, yeah, they could have written it, okay. and I think I think she did a great job of like, hey, we don't know. Maybe we'll go down this route in season six.
1: Yeah. So they they. They do almost get, they don't almost get together, but there's a a moment in season eight, I think, season eight or season nine, where Buffy goes to Xander and is like, we should try it. We should give it a shot. Why wouldn't we ever try this before? And he's like, no, 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 no. You think you want this? You don't want this? I promise you don't want this. And she's like, you're right. I'm with Dawn. Yeah. Grossly. Worse. I'm with Dawn. (laughs) So we're not going to do this.
0: Hey, Mom. Oh. Still a couple of guys getting it right. Hey, flower getting lady. Want me to pick Don up from school? Mom? What are you doing? Mom? Huh?
1: Mom? Mommy? Obviously, the very last scene, we get Buffy coming in to the house. As she's, I've pointed out before, done a couple of times in this season in almost the same exact way. Hey, Mom! And then, God, yeah, that shot of her just out of focus in the background. Like, you know... Obviously, you've watched the show, you know what that is. But, like, even as a first-time viewer, you're like,
0: Something's wrong. The
1: fuck? Yeah, this is bad. This is bad. And this is intentional. And, oh, no. And, like, uh, apparently, the last scene of the episode was the spike scene um the script had been finalized and that was the last scene Joss wrote this scene without telling anybody after an episode that was kind of lighthearted, you know the last fun episode that we'll have this is just like yeah it's tough it's tough and I'm not super looking forward to next week oh it for was sure. so
2: and she is so good and just the mom mommy I wasn't ready for that forgot she said that so that was tough yeah this was yeah. hard, hard and- to watch hard to watch
1: and it's silent, too, which the rest of the next episode will be silent. So it's just like it sets that tone. It's like the absence of the score is so unsettling. It, Yeah. It's anyway. weird
2: to me to think about it without the ending. Like, it's strange to – I mean, it's a great ending to have Spike go to war, and that's a cool ending because it's very, like, ah, oh, fun, ominous, just like a regular episode would have that. Mm-hmm. But – Wow, it is we. It's a weird thing to tack it on to the end because it's such a heavy thing, especially for a a very heavy continuation. But it's weird for me to think about it without. If it didn't have this, I don't know how vital this episode would feel. Because I, you know, we'll get to the rankings in a minute. But like, I love this episode. But but I think so much I love is this. I love this.
1: Well, because and I think that it was a a great decision in the end to have it on the end of this episode. This is a change. This the entire rest of the season is different because of this moment right here this is the moment that happens where season five stops being fun and the rest of the show is very singularly singularly about her dealing with her mom being dead and her trying to save a dog and that's it um and it's it's really
2: do you remember last year it was adam was our big <laughs> change <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: excellent
1: point excellent point um i must be shunned. okay it's uh, time for me to remind you, although we already reminded you right at the top of the episode that we're a real podcast. And you can find us everywhere at Beat me Pod, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram. Again, website, BeatMePod.wordpress.com. It has show notes about all kinds of fun stuff about this podcast that we do here. We also have a playlist on Spotify, Beat Me hyphen, Fun Time playlist for Podcast Fan Season 5, that will contain all music in this show, the podcast that we do here, as well as any music that is in Buffy the Vampire Slayer that is available on Spotify. Check that out if you would like to. Moving on! We've been having a very long conversation, full of spirited yelling. But why not have more organized yelling? Stacia, you yell your yell.
3: Um, I and mean, we talked about the weirdness of the school party, but I would like to specifically drill down on the weirdness of the decorations, mm. which is multiple bunches of I assume plastic bananas, as well as the world's largest shell oh, used shell. as a punch bowl.
2: Do you think that the man in the scuba the sc- the snorkel is like going down in that shell because? Why else have the snorkel? You know, Oh, it's yeah. incredible. And then like they're they're doing limbo back there. It, it's all over the place. I can't mm-hmm. imagine this being fun. Just me, without <laughs> without drinking.
3: Who's the loser who has to store the shell all year for the one party they have to bring it out
1: for? It? <laughs> Did you notice that there were other smaller, lesser shells containing snacks near around <laughs> the larger shell orbiting? Orbiting. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh God um i love sander in the first scene when he wants to sit down i'm not that bendy i could lean it's great and then they just lean him on the wall it's so it's wonderful what a great gag
1: uh so tara doesn't know much about computers but she goes online sometimes oh no (laughs) what do you think she does
2: she hates that spelling what
1: do you think she does what does she do on the internet
2: in did. 2001, what so would you do? I mean, looking
3: up cat videos. Forums? One was YouTube. Oh, not
1: until there's later. no videos. Yeah. 2005. Yeah.
2: 2005.
1: So. I can has cheeseburger. I don't even think that. I don't think we live in meme life yet. Really? I think all we have to live on is hamster dance and stuff like that. That's all we got.
3: Yeah, I'm in cat or whatever? Non cat,
1: no. This is all pre that. So what does Tara do? She's clearly on some she message She could be board. on AIM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's
2: message yeah. boards are all you can do, a text-based anything. Uh, we, she's definitely on message boards for magic for magic. What was I thinking? You know?
1: Obviously, being a techno-pagan is a thing. She's a techno-pagan, right? Ask her to bless your laptop. There's clearly some online covens that she's interacting with that have terrible spelling. I really want to know what Spike whispers in April's ear before she throws him out the window. So do I.
3: What do you think? <laughs> Haunts me. I mean, something obviously something gross but i want
2: to know specifically what he said uh i love anya so much in this episode and obviously jane absolutely loves writing anya because she gets all of the great lines like i'm just getting used to lutherans as an idea is so funny um wanting to buy an antelope with her money is like definitively amazing and just the checks mix aside like you can tell that jane was like I don't know if she drinks or does drugs, but at one point she was like, I'm stowing this hand-woven, because I'm eating Chex Mix, and like, I just, these are hand-woven, that's a funny joke. She put that away and was like, I'm going to use this somewhere, absolutely. and she did, and it was absolutely amazing.
1: Just another mention about how cute Willow and Tara are in this episode, not only the little jealousy scene. Uh, but when Xander's like, oh, no, I'm the grown up that sees the world through my job. I'm like my uncle, whatever, Rory, the plumber. I should be shunned. And then she's like, OK. And then Tara just looks at her like, I love you. <laughs> and it's just so cute.
3: During the like robot screen or whatever, when April is looking at Warren, she's got a list of his qualities. <laughs> and the, ones, the run, ones I wrote down were best lover, handsome. <laughs> Really smart. <laughs>
2: snappy dresser, too. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Which, lie. Objective Like, lie.
2: why would you describe yourself as a snappy dresser? I mean, they look like they're, like, FBI agents, though, for what it's worth. Oh, yeah. Like, this is a CBS it drama. Looks like a, yeah.
1: X-Files, man. <laughs> yeah, totally. Holy shit. They
2: look good. I mean, they both look good. They look like they're out solving crimes because they're all wearing all black. It's amazing.
1: <laughs>
2: uh. uh, But the hair. I mean, it made me think immediately of the hair. Peak 2001. The first thing I thought when I saw him was just, like... Every friend I had in school did that to me. <laughs> oh yeah. And I was one of the only people I know that never ever dabbled in
3: really? that
2: shit. The gel spike. Like just the the amount of time. I mean, I've done my hair into Mohawks before, like, just for the fun of it. But like it's such a bitch to do that much work. <laughs> it takes so long and I've had to wait for friends like doing their hair. And they're like thirteen year old boys. Like we're just going to the play football and like you're doing it's just yeah. like what a weird thing to do. <laughs> right, nobody does their hair like this. Nobody's seen It'll this come back in the around. last
1: it always does.
2: I know and that
1: scares the me. The stupid frosted me. tips came back. I think they're gone again already. Hmm. But every dude I knew in middle school black mm-hmm. black hair, blonde tips.
3: Thank you, J T M. Hmm.
1: Yeah I just robot death hug. I didn't. That's why I wrote down robot death hug, because it's pretty ridiculous. Jane said she put in the script she, that she didn't specify which way they were facing. And I was like, it's just like, because I didn't know how to shoot it. And it all just sounded weird after I said it. But Josh said that he really wanted her to crush her to death, like a bear hug. And I, and all that made me think was like, what if they were face to face? Because that's so much weirder. Is it? I don't know. I just, I just feel very strange and bad. Just like, come here, Katrina. Crush. I
3: don't know. Crying is blackmail. Good girlfriends don't cry.
1: (gasps) See, and that's why he doesn't get a pass. Because he programmed that shit into her. Oh, yeah. Because he's...
2: There's a training schedule, like when Buffy went in to call Ben. I don't know if you guys noticed, but behind her is a board with like four months on it. So you can, you know, get your... It's a little whiteboard so you can get your markers out to mark up what you're going to do on a daily schedule. And it's labeled training schedule. And it's just literal red arrows across the entire week. As if, why would you need to note that if you're working out every single day because your training is every day? Why even use it? <laughs> like, what's the point of the use? It's, why did they make this prop? That's, That's even the bigger question for me.
3: My last thing is that moment because we didn't really mention this when Buffy leaves that voicemail, which I've been talking about all season. Yes, you have. Finally happened, and Gloria says she turned us down, <laughs> like offended.
1: Oh. That was something I completely forgot about. So Jane Espenson, about that scene and about Ben and Glory, she was like, I don't think we made it clear whether or not Glory wants Ben to go on a date with Buffy or not. And I was like, huh. And she's like, and that was our bad. I'm like, but what's the answer? You can answer it now. What? Like, uh, does it matter? Like, I never even thought about it. Why would Glory want Ben to go on a date with Buffy? Why wouldn't she want Ben to go on a date with Buffy? What does it matter? I don't understand (laughs)
2: You know, I would assume, again, that this is a mysterious thing, so that she would like that. She would want him to be close to Buffy so that, in theory, in my head, she could turn into glory when Ben was with Buffy. And then she would, I don't know, again, know something, I don't know, fight her again, which she can do right now. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, she could do that any time. know, she know. Buffy whenever she But then to, maybe yeah. it's element of surprise
2: so the witch won't be there to fucking throw her back up into the space. Like, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's not. I
3: could she just have, like, a neutral opinion about Ben going out with her, but feel assaulted that
1: Buffy doesn't want to go out with Ben? Yeah, and that's how I always took it. Was just like, yeah. It was just for the joke, right? Just like, oh, how dare she? But then when she, Jane said that, I was like, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just trying to watch this show. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> oh, gosh. Hey, Daniel, do you have anything else?
2: Uh, the last thing I have is the stained glass mural. I don't know if I've ever noticed this before, but there's a stained glass mural inside of the magic box as they're walking up the stairs from down where they sit, you know, to walk up to go to the front door. Um, there's a mural there that is a ladder with a ribbon tied over it with two cross spears. One of them still has the tip on it. The other has a brain on top of it. It looks like a brain. And it's in the magic shop, and it says, in memory of James and Isabel Morrison by their daughter, Mary. And I looked up James Morrison and Isabel Morrison, California, Santa Barbara. Couldn't find any information, so I have no clue. Oh, I
1: forgot, and I was thinking that maybe you would have looked it up, Daniel. Is Dutton, California real? Yeah, I
2: looked up Dutton Island is a real thing in California, Northern California. But it's just like a random island. So, no, I don't think Dutton's real.
1: Okay. So, probably not what they're talking about at all. No, probably not. Great. Great yelling. Now it's time for watches, please.
2: Xander Construction Outfit Watch. Yes. Finally, we get him actually talking about his goddamn job. Double glazed glass ain't yes. cheap. Does the fixes by himself. Absolutely loved it. He also fixed a broken heart. Uh, maroon jacket oh. watch. No, that's not true. No, no <laughs> maroon jacket watch. Don piercing scream. No chips. Ahoy. For once, I don't think we ever really touch on it in any real way. I don't think anything was even implied. Uh, even though we know it's there, Buffy has a personality. I said no, but yes, clearly she wants more than just boys. De Hoffern watch no, because for the thousandth week in a row, De Hoffern doesn't exist. Tara and Willow are on the pot again. Yes, of course, Kara. Kara. Uh, Tara cannot do computer stuff, and the critiques are about the spelling because she's too high. They probably are typing fine. She's spelling everything wrong. Willow is casually chomping down on the communal bowl of checks of checks mix. Um, which is pretty funny. And I, I wrote is leering at women in the same way that um, Xander is leering <laughs> at women. So it's very funny. Yeah,
1: Stacey was like, I don't like Willow as a latch. I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> I,
2: I, I like it because it's Xander and Willow getting together as a team and being like the worst. And it's just it's fun. It's just fun because they're best friends. And like, yeah, they can be friends and leer at women. Fun. Um, Tara was... <laughs> Obviously, Tara was the first one to suggest, just like she did with Dawn before, where she didn't actually have anything. This time, she was ready. She's like, if anybody asks, it's robots. And thankfully, this time, she was right. She's probably said it before, and this time, they're like, ah, robots, right? Okay, this time, it actually is a robot. Um, And then, obviously, the spicy talk uh, about the genuine molded plastic stamped on her ass. And I wrote new character, as you always have to remind (laughs) yourself. She is a new character. Michael Wick Amy Gothwatch, No. Uh, no magic in this episode. Books a Million, I wrote, yes, and I was so excited because I was like, Giles, how dare you have technology? You're the one who like goes off on Jenny for all this. And then he's like, just kidding. And I was like, no, he got me. <laughs> he fucking got me.
0: What can we do?
3: Oh, do you have any books on robots?
0: Oh, yes, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, it's an Enormous amount of research we should do before. No, I'm lying. I've got squat. i just like to see Xander squirm. <laughs> funny. Charming and funny.
2: Streets ahead, no, but we get our our out of towner dunking yeah. on Maple fucking court, Main Street. Doesn't get better than that in Sunnydale. That this What's wrong? Okay. And you're and how dare you? How dare you, sir? Uh, how why do you feel inclined to judge? That's what I want to know. And Giles Biggest KO, he didn't say a real goodbye to Joyce. Yeah. He just said goodnight, Joyce. And it was and then goodnight, Rupert. That was so sweet.
1: And it's a nice way
2: to end. You actually said goodbye to somebody, but yeah. tough. Yeah. Tough.
1: Well, thank you for that. Luckily, we don't have to think about those feelings mm-hmm. until next time. But first, we have to rank this sucker. Willow hacks slash we talk about the net slash something wicked this way comes. Gave it a six because she does, in fact, oh, yeah. use a laptop to find Warren Mears, and she finds him. Great job.
2: She does. That's the first time in a long time she has gone back to the old I know. Windows.
1: With her Mac Macintosh.
2: Everyone hyped her up in this episode too. So much hype about her computer oh, yeah.
1: abilities. Could you know. could you get it with just a first name? Given enough time. That's right. <laughs> uh giles level of giles i mean amazing ripper scene in the in the magic box obviously um dunking on xander about the yes we have tons of books on robots oh i just like to see Xander Scorn. always great and then uh telling buffy that uh spike being weirdly attracted to her is not her fault all great Giles moves i give him a nine so joyce i had to give her a 10 it's the last episode. Come on. She never even got close. I think the closest she got was a seven. I had to give her a ten. And I got to say, she she earned it for Joyce. You know, funny and like we got to see her in a different light. And I got to say, she looked, she looked great in her dress. And, it, you know, it was just like really, it was just really nice. And obviously all that's compounded by the fact that we won't get to see her ever again. But like, damn it, Joyce, ten for you. Not a terrible mom in this episode.
2: You you were a terrible mom throughout this whole thing, but you were our mom. That's right. We love you,
1: Joyce. <laughs> oh, gosh. Monster of the Week. I guess it's April, but I also just put Warren is gross. Um, yeah. So I gave it a six because April doesn't actually kill anybody. Not that that's like a prerequisite for a bad guy, but, uh, you know, she just... We, and we've done robots before, yeah um, so, yeah. Again, again, that, that's a prerequisite, but it's not, it wasn't, it wasn't unique and it wasn't like special effects wise, nothing going on really other than the like embarrassing plastic ribs thing that happens. Um, and, uh, and, the, and, you know, Warren's not really supposed to be the bad guy in this episode. So I don't know that you can count him. So I give it a six cause nah. Uh, yeah. relationship goodness or badness as stated before Willow and Tara are super cute I think Xander and Anya are getting along swimmingly uh, Buffy started her best relationship with herself good good job Buffy although Spike and everyone maybe not so great because he's definitely fallen out of the group but eight for everybody else episode specific we listened to aggressively cheerful music sung by people chosen for their ability to dance and then we ate cookie dough and talked about boys two out of ten nice. now I had to see this is this is the thing Damn! I told you I I, when I first ranked this episode after I listened to Jane's commentary I put this at number three for the season and then I got away from it and I was just like maybe it's not that good and I don't know and I can't and it's the last one episode but does that matter and like I don't know so I lowered it down and I just don't know I think that you
3: have just put it somewhere between nine and three
1: that wasn't an option. (laughs) So I still am a little torn, and maybe I'll regret this. But I don't know. I don't know. Too late. I could change it right now. You guys change it on the fly all the time.
3: No. It's too late. No, you're done. Your stats are scientific
2: yeah that's true that's true she's
1: bound by the law of science oh this is one i'll definitely regret i'm just really glad we got to watch it again because this is certainly not one that i ever think of beyond oh it's the robot episode like i never really give it any more weight than that and watching it this time was so much fun and like it really felt way more important the stakes felt so much higher and it felt like just it it really felt good it felt good as a fun episode because jane jokes 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 but then it also felt really powerful at times and i just like very enjoyed watching it, but I did it dirty, and I gave it a 41. So it's 9 out of 15 for the season right below No Place Like Home and right above Real Me. Sorry.
3: Ouch.
1: Yeah. Stacia, sure, where would you put it?
3: I put it at 19 out of 93. So it's second for the season. God Goddamn! That
1: makes sense. That's so high. I'm My dummy. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. Okay, so 19 out of, what did you say? uh How many episodes? 93 93 and what's above it or below it
3: for the season or forever forever <laughs> it's uh below lovers walk and bad girls and above fear itself and nightmares
1: damn you put bad girls high
3: i love bad girls i was going to put this <laughs> higher but then i saw bad girls and i was like no that's a stopping point <laughs> that's a stopping point <laughs> not making it past bad girls
1: Nice, <laughs> uh daniel
2: i i don't want to do the mistake that you that you made today. So the whole time I was thinking about this, I was thinking about it when Buffy sort of like off the cuff reacted about him being a sleazeball. And it made me think of immediately. Uh, I only have eyes for you. Right. Isn't that where she also was like, he deserves to die for.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. He couldn't make her love him. So I killed her. Just like a- he looks so normal in this picture. You smart, too. You made the honor roll. Smart.
1: He killed a person and killed himself those are pretty much two of the dumbest things you could do
0: i know but well don't you feel kind of bad for them sure i feel lousy for her he's a murderer and he should pay for it with his life no he should be doing 60 years in a prison breaking rocks and making special friends with roscoe the weightlifter
1: yikes the quality of mercy is not buffy
0: whose ghost do you think we're dealing with his or hers well considering how violent it is i'm gonna say his
1: that tracks
2: the quickest moral reaction right and obviously the show is gonna play it out a little bit different add a little bit of nuance so immediately I thought what's my biggest mistake that I've made on this show what's the biggest mistake we've all made is how bad and <laughs> how know, poorly we true. put I only advise for you so I was like this episode is not gonna do that to me I have waffled on this because I'm looking at my full rankings and so far for this season I full for love at number one at 19 number 19 family is number 28 Buffy Dracula is 42 and I was like is it better than Buffy Dracula Yes, it's better than Buffy Dracula. 33. Mm-hmm. So I'm putting it at number 33 of all time. Having it be an echo for the body and just like death and everything we're about to deal with, it didn't have to be that. It, it could have it just been a dumb episode with a tacked on ending that made, that made it better, that it had no business in being just because it's with the body. So 33. So number, um, number three for the season behind family and full for love. And I think that's, that's pretty good.
1: Well, I would say two out of three people on this podcast ranked this episode correctly, but I won't tell you which two it was. <laughs> um, wow, it was great. It was great. I'm really glad to watch this episode again. Uh, I'm very nervous about our next episode, but mm. we all are going to get through it together. At least we don't have to do it alone, and you, dear listener, you can you don't have to do it alone either. But uh, before we get there, I do need to know if you have anything else to say about this episode, Stacia. I do not. Daniel, do you have anything else to say about this episode? Nope. Okay, we will see you next time for the body. Everybody bring mm-hmm. your, your tissues. Get ready.
2: Can you believe we made it to the body? I know. That's crazy. It's, it's crazy. Crazy to, to think we were just we were just watching bad eggs, you know, last week and
1: now it's the body. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> Damn. How time Two flies. Two
3: wonderful episodes.
2: <laughs>
1: well, <laughs> Yeah, that's right. On a par. Bad eggs, body. Always mentioned in the same breath.
2: I mean, they're both about mamas. I mean, it's... uh... Oh,
1: Jesus. Joyce (laughs) is in both of them, kind of. Uh... (laughs) Uh, Until then, Uh, Stacia, say goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) Daniel, say goodbye. I just like Beat Me Pod.
2: I think Beat Me Pod might be worth it. And I'd like to get to know Beat Me Pod better.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. worry about it. I was dreaming about bills.